pool and was laboring in the pool. And I remember feeling um, there was this point of defeat where you just feel like you can't go on and you know that you have to. But it's like literally that point of like, I could literally just die right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, I'll, I'll be fine. Um, but you can't, like, you can't, you still have work to do. And that, at that, that point is such a crucial turning point. And hello, beautiful soul, Emily here. I'm so happy that you have joined and ready to listen to an amazing episode This podcast is a space to share stories and perspectives, reflecting back to you glimpses of our higher human potential. Uh, I'm interested in diving deep into myself and finding the best things, the seeds of magic, and bringing them out for myself and also for others, and I hope that this podcast can do that for you. If you have any questions or comments about today's podcast episode, you can connect with me on Instagram at this raw mom life. The handle uh, is in the commentary, the description of the podcast episode. Today, I bring to you my dear, dear friend, Santana, who is sharing her free birth story of her second child, her son, Keon. Santana is a mother to two beautiful children, a nine-year-old girl, Dahlia, and a one-year-old, Keon. She is a forest school educator and now is running an early childhood care um, program from her home. She is one of the most kindest, gentle, and beautifully creative people that I know, and she inspires me <laughs> to to stay a bit more gentle and calms of the fire <laughs> that I have. I was I met Santana in her pregnancy. Uh, we connected through the Free Birth Society membership and it was such a gift to know her as I was considering uh, my own choices for birth, my own free birth, my own uh, questioning, conceiving um, our son and following her journey, which she didn't, there was no muss, no fuss about the external stuff, the testing, the symptoms, the, um, you know, measuring. She, she never made mention of that really. Uh, you could tell that her inner work for her pregnancy and preparing for her birth was, was almost all inner work. And it was, it was such a gift um, to be with her through her pregnancy and to learn from her. And so I am so excited to be able to share this story. Um, and I know she's very happy and excited to be able to share this story to a wider audience because every birth story holds little gems that can help every woman. And even if it's not for your own birth, uh, just the the power and the work that women have to do to prepare for birth and to bring in their babies on earth, I think can help us um, birth projects and just become better people. 
and better people who support women who are pregnant and birthing as well. And so let's jump right into it. Ready? Okay. I got my I got my dandelion vanilla flavored nummy tea here with me. It's really delicious. <laughs> uh, I'm sipping on some tea and I have rose hips and oat straw and um, St. John's wort that I picked myself and lavender from my garden. And I find it's been keeping my mood pretty, pretty up <laughs> despite oh, lack of despite sleep, lack of sleep. <laughs> and the weather because <laughs> we're in the middle of winter right now. I can feel spring coming though. Yes, I saw um the snow bugs out today. Yay! They're here, the snow fleas. Yeah, yeah. This I was oh like my God. soon February the snow bugs will be out, but it's a warm day, so they were already out. And it's it's really crazy to have insects out in Canada in the middle of winter in February. But they're well, out. Well Yeah, it's the snow fleas always make me so happy. I don't know why. Everyone like people who don't like small creatures or whatever is always like what what oh what is that and I'm like oh they're so cute they're so beautiful they're telling us spring <laughs> yeah I'm so excited about them too because yes I remember the first year and I've never seen them before coming to Collingwood but I've never seen them before being here either yeah I'm so happy to have you here sharing your birth story um your free birth story and so you can start with where your journey starts that free birth story your free birth well story. okay let me let me think about this well thank you first of all for having me and for um sharing this beautiful story and this wonderful content um yeah, so I guess I will start back to when Adam and I met. Um, we met in Calgary in the summer of 2017. And um, I'll never forget the first time I met him. He was very, very awkward, very handsome, just the most drop-dead gorgeous man I've ever seen. Um, and uh, I, I saw him and he was holding two coffees and I think he had asked me prior to what I what I take in my coffee which was um, not something that anyone had ever asked me before which was really interesting um, so he handed me the coffee um, and yeah we went for a little walk at this place called Edworthy Park which was super close to where we ended up living together um, and we used to go for bike rides with there all the time with Dahlia and Brosif, our dog, and um, went for a big long walk. And I remember just kind of feeling so at home, but then also like looking back on it now, I remember feeling like there was like something else there with us. Um, something that kept kind of pulling my attention away from Adam and then bringing my attention back to him and like in and out, in and out. So it was really interesting. It wasn't like something that I was consciously aware of at the time. Um, but yeah, looking back on it, I remember there always being this like presence of some sort, um, with us the entire time I've known him. Um, and so fast forward to, 
oh geez what year was it 2020 yeah okay it was it was November 2020 and I had I woke up I, I had this dream in the middle of the night one night and it kind of it, it was super interesting how it all played out because Adam had like a premonition dream of us living in this house that we live in now with Dahlia being a bit older and him and Dahlia looking out the window at me in the garden um, and tending the garden. But he said there was also another presence there. Um, So he had that dream when you were still in Calgary? I don't. Yeah, I think it was when we were in Calgary. Yeah. But this dream that I had in November 2020 um, was similar where I was out in the garden and I was looking at Keon um, <laughs> and he came and, and he was walking to me and he was around, I think he was around Dahlia's age. He was, he was more like seven or eight around there, but he, he was looking at me with his great big green, mysteriously color changing eyes that he has. And he said, he said, mom, my name is Keon and I'm coming soon. And I woke up in the morning and I like shook Adam and I was like, we're having a son and his name is Keon. And then from (laughs) that moment on, Adam was just obsessed with the name Keon. And like, he kept talking about this, like, Oh, King of Kings. We looked up the, we looked up the name, uh, the meaning of his name. And it meant King of Kings. One of them, the main one that stuck out for us was King of Kings. Um, and then there was another meeting, I believe it, it was uh, King of Kings was like a Persian origin. And then the other meanings uh, I found were there was a Celtic origin, meaning God is gracious. Hmm. Um, and and then um, fast forwarding to when Keon was uh, last summer, my mom was visiting. We were at the beach and there was a Persian family. It was just them and us and I didn't realize they were Persian at the time um, but we were kind of you know um, friendly chat back and forth um, and they had a little one and they had a dog and and then I remember calling Keon's name and the mother of the family looked at me and she said do you know what that means and I said um, I think I looked up a meaning and it said King of Kings, but I didn't choose the name. He chose it. He he came to me in a dream and and she looks at me and she says, his name means big. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, he was like a really big baby when he was born. Um, <laughs> and she was like, no, 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 not not big in in the way of of the physical realm, but he he's big uh, dimensionally. And I just got like full head to toe chills. And I was like, like what, what does that even mean? <laughs> so I, uh, yeah. So, so then coming back to um, preconception, Adam and I were just talking and talking. We we're like, okay, well, you know, we're not like a hundred percent ready to have a baby right now. Like we're not financially like where we want to be and yada, 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 finding all the like reasons why we can't. And then, something just kept pulling and we were like okay well like we can't ignore this we have to (laughs) we have to try (laughs) and so the first cycle we tried Dahlia was um 
my daughter was tracking my my moon cycle with me and she was like she was asking all the questions mom when are you ovulating and when when is a good time to make the baby and she was she was totally involved in the whole thing too it was really beautiful um that's so cool because she was what seven yeah, she was seven. So yeah. she will remember that yeah. experience. And that's such an amazing thing to give to a girl. Is yeah. To, yeah, I it was honestly the best gift for for everyone. I mean, like, yeah, for her to, to be involved in every aspect of like the feminine part of it, too. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah her her experience was really really beautiful too in a lot of ways um but um yeah so she was tracking my cycle with me and um I hadn't fully explained the birds and the bees to her at that point but we were kind of saying you know like um of the eggs and their ovaries and you know explaining all the uh physiological aspects of things have the the seed the seed is called the sperm and it's where so flowers need pollination like many different talks around how how conception works and not just in humans but in nature itself um and so that was really cool too um and so adam and i were we tried in december and were unsuccessful but I think we needed to get through that Christmas and all of the things that came with that Christmas which was really challenging in the whole Mm -hmm. uh the whole year of 2020 so we got through that and then um January we tried a lot which was really fun (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then I remember, so January is my birthday, 27th is my birthday. And I remember I wanted to go for like a hike for my birthday. I love doing like anything in nature on my birthday. So we went out to uh, Port Elgin. There's a provincial park out there and there was a giant ice wall. We just loved exploring the ice wall on, on the Huron side of the peninsula. And, um, and yeah, so we were we were hiking along and we were kind of on our way out and the sun was coming down and you know the winter sun when it comes out is just so mm. magical and so just so, like so soft. It's, so yeah, it's soft but soft. so full and filling, like mm-hmm. so like nutritious. Yes. Um and I remember like looking out at the sun as it was starting to come down and I was like oh my gosh my (laughs) my boobs hurt uh I don't have my period and like I'm late and oh my goodness like I I think I think I'm pregnant and then (laughs) I didn't say anything to Adam and Dolly the whole way home I just kept it to myself and then when we got home I I didn't want to do a pregnancy test but I just did just to like just to really like solidify it um so I took the test as soon as we got home and I didn't tell anybody I was doing it I just went in the bathroom and did it and then I came out and I handed it to Adam 
and he just started crying he was like oh my god what does this mean what is this and I was like <laughs> we're having a baby Keon's coming and and he was like what so yeah so that was really cool and then Dahlia we sat Dahlia down um on the couch in the living room and I remember showing showing it to Dahlia and we were like Dahlia like you're gonna be a big sister and she just was like what you know Dahlia screamer she just like screams so loud and then she started running around the house screaming she was so excited um and so wow so you didn't wait to tell her at all she found out like when you found out yeah Oh yeah. Wow. yeah. Like she she was like part of every single moment of it. Like there was there was no hiding anything from her. I don't ever hide anything from her. Like I mean, you know, I I try my best to talk to her in a way that she's capable of understanding, but yeah, I don't I don't ever hide anything from her and that was one of the things too. So you um, didn't mind like your cuz one of my thoughts is as soon as you te- you tell a child, they're going to tell everyone. Like able to hold it in well or maybe they are but I'm I'm wondering did like did you think of that did that come into play later or yeah I mean because she was seven but like she's she's much older than seven in a mm-hmm. lot of ways and so I wasn't really too concerned about it but we kind of made it like a surprise thing because she loves surprises and Adam's mom's birthday is at the end of February so it wasn't quite three months, but it was, mm-hmm. we knew that um, having that kind of surprise for her to look forward to would help her keep the secret. Um, and so we told Adam's mom on her birthday. Um, and then we just kind of, you know, told the family and then just asked them to wait, you know, a little while. Um, I don't know. We were just super excited. And I like, having having um I've, I've never lost a pregnancy like I I feel very fortunate for never having lost a pregnancy so I wasn't really mm-hmm. it wasn't in my consciousness um and I was trying to not think about it either um even though it was you know coming in and out of like oh you know like I'm we're doing this free birth thing like you know like so many fears mm-hmm. and stuff come with that right um but yeah so I think having holding on to that secret and giving Dahlia that like okay let's make something for Nanny um you know we'll make something to for her to open up on her birthday and and that's so uh, sweet yeah to have her involved in that yeah yeah it was it was really really fun um and she was like such a like it was such a fun age too when she was she was so excited um (laughs) yeah um so so yeah, so then we told Adam's mom on her birthday and she didn't even she didn't even clue in to the I think we gave her like a thing that said nugget number 2 on it and she didn't even, she didn't even clue in. She was like, "What?" and like cuz we told like Leslie too, we told Adam's sister and so she knew and Kyle knew. So it was kind of like Adam's parents that didn't know. Um and yeah so she didn't even clue in and then we all had to tell her and then she just like laughed awkwardly it was really cute it was really she was so excited too (laughs) it was such a funny funny dinner um yeah and then so pregnancy I guess we'll get to the whole pregnancy there was like so much 
that came up. Um, I think, I think pregnant that pregnancy with Keon was like one of the biggest adult evolutions I think I've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a lot of things that were coming up. So, having had Dahlia in the allopathic system and having gone through like a pretty traumatic experience with Dahlia in the hospital um, and my pregnancy with her and like the whole situation was quite stressful. And so after having her, well, during my pregnancy with her, I I had, um, I remember a friend of mine recommended this documentary. I can't remember the name of it, but it kind of outlines the snowball effect of when you are induced in in um, in the hospital. Um, so they induce you with like synthetic uh, hormones, synthetic oxytocin, which is pitocin. Um, so I with with my pregnancy with her, I was induced and. Um, and that was just a whole, the whole snowball effect happened. They, um, they gave me Pitocin and then I, the contractions were full and just not okay. And like, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And I, I just said, I, I give up. And cause Dahlia wasn't ready to come mm-hmm. at that. Like she was just wasn't ready. And so what was their um, reason for inducing? Because my water broke in the middle of the night. And then they were like, and I just was like, okay, we're going to the hospital. Like I wanted to have a water birth, but like her, her dad was like, no, the doctors were like, you can't just change your, you can't just change your, your birth plans. Like you can't do that halfway through your pregnancy. Like, what are you thinking? (laughs) And I was like, what? Oh yeah. Okay. You're totally right. I can't, I shouldn't do that. Hmm. Um, And so I, cause I was so young, I was 23. I had really had no idea. Um, And yeah, so snowball effect I I couldn't handle the contractions anymore there was no sign of Dahlia coming into the world and then they gave me um I was like begging for an epidural because Mm -hmm. I I was just like I don't this is crazy like what is this (laughs) um and so yeah so they gave me an epidural and then her heart rate dropped and then there was like all this talk of um a c-section there was like 12 15 doctors in the room nurses students because I was in like a I was in a hospital that had a lot of students in it Mm -hmm. um yeah anyway so she was born not via c-section thankfully um but yeah that was it was pretty traumatic and like seeing them like just carry her around the room like she was just like a like a Mm -hmm like a piece of I don't know fabric or like I don't know just like a doll. An organ yeah yeah like a doll or yeah something it was just so like there was no nothing beautiful about that situation mm-hmm. I mean as as beautiful as it was to see her and you know know that she was there there was so much like disconnection on so many levels and so there was a lot of unpacking that with Keon's pregnancy Mm. too yeah when Um, I witnessed a hospital birth it felt so it seemed so mechanical it was like you're taking your car to the garage and they're doing work on it 
Yeah. That's, that was yeah. what it felt like to me. And I, I, it was, I, it was, I was blown away by the lack of emotion, the lack of spirituality. Um, and I think that yeah. some, some like medical people can bring that in, but it's not the majority. So it's not the culture. Yeah. And it's, it's very much like a business, right? Like they mm-hmm. get you in and out and yeah. that's, that's kind of how it goes. And something interesting that I later learned um, about placentas, if yeah. you don't take, and I had lots of thoughts of keeping Dahlia's placenta, but uh, everyone around me, I'm not going to name names, but everyone around me was saying, oh, that's so gross. Why would you do that? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, but every mammal on the planet does it like why is it so weird for humans to consume it it doesn't make any sense to me I was so confused and I was just like oh yeah okay yeah you're right that's really gross but I found out that later um there's uh and I don't know if this is in Canada it may just be U.S. only but um there was something I heard and I didn't look too far into it but um they are not allowed to sell organs per se in hospitals, but they can legally donate them to research companies um, while receiving uh, upwards of $50,000 per placenta. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I found that out when I was so angry. I was like, are you joking me? I would have sold it for 50 grand. No, I'm just joking. But yeah, like I was like, that's so crazy. Um, but yeah, that whole situation, I just swore to myself that if I ever had another child, I would never, ever go through that ever again. Like if it were my choice, I just absolutely not. It's like sealed in your body. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like primal. This like that will not happen. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I also remember like doing like a lot of like deep meditation work, um, like before conceiving Keon and during Mm. pregnancy and how much like how much pain was actually stored in my being from that birth Mm. um, and that experience, like how traumatic it actually was. And like, I think a lot of times um, we just brush it off and we're just like, oh, it's just the way it is, you know, like that's just how it is in our culture. Everyone goes through it. So it's fine whatever and so we just kind of pack it down and like just it's just the way it is and so you know whatever just move on and you know go on with your postpartum journey and you know life life just keeps going right so um there was a lot of that with Keon's pregnancy too so um I remember like really feeling and just giving myself permission to feel everything that was coming up um and I think that is totally transmuted into Keon because he's the same (laughs) so my my whole pregnancy was like just having like just crying fits and like temper tantrums and like just (laughs) letting it all go and he is just totally the same so it's really funny it's really funny how the pregnancy really impacts the the baby as well like it's not just what mom's feeling obviously but um yeah so there was there was unpacking that trauma and then there was unpacking uh rejection from family members and friends and um 
at one point, um, I should mention my, my friend, Michelle, um, she, she was someone that I had, um, met many, many years ago. And, um, she seemed like just a really strong and confident, um, just really, really, uh, empowered woman. And so I found, and, and she was in the birth world. Um, and so I was following along with her and, um, all the stuff she was sharing. And so I learned a lot from her. I learned a lot from the free birth society. Um, and actually Michelle is the one who connected me with you, Emily. So that's a really, really interesting connection too. Um, and so, yeah, so, um, Michelle was like a huge part of this entire journey and she was like a really, really strong rock for me in a lot of ways because um like I had met you when I was pregnant and so I had the support with you but our friendship was so brand new um but I had known Michelle for so many years and so having having her there for support and just to talk to about all the things that were coming up was really um I really needed that and I realized too this was a big thing that having women who are in childbearing years having their support um is like one of the most crucial aspects of being of having children it's like super super important so having women who you can count on and you can tell all of your things to um that's like there, there's there's no going over that it's just the most incredible thing that you need to have um, yeah and I think something that we're also missing is women who are in their yep. crone years um, yeah menopausal women who have so we need women who are like in the same world as us you know going through it we can support each other and then we also need the crones and the wise women who have come through it um, with wisdom and consciously and intentionally and to support us. And I think that's a really big lack in our culture right now. And I think I 100% agree with you. Um, and I think, I hope it, that, that lack and that, um, you know, I, I hope that that kind of ends with us, um, Mm -hmm for our children and their children and so on and so forth I really hope that like we see the importance of it and so being able to grow into that um for our children and for their children um I think that growing into that is like some pretty big work that we have to do too like once once we have children and you know like life work is not over like this whole pregnancy birth postpartum journey it's you know your kids are like you know seven eight nine it's not over life just keeps going and you have to keep growing and it doesn't it doesn't just stop so yeah I I totally agree with you on on the and and this is where having having my mother-in-law um here Mm -hmm. she's like my best friend (laughs) so having her I mean the the idea of free birth scared the shit out of her and um everyone in the family tried to talk me out of it 
not including her. She was so supportive. Um, even though there was a lot of things that she also also had to undo and unpack with this pregnancy too, because he was her first blood grandchild. And mm-hmm. so there was like a different connection there. Um, so because so there you was- had told your family, you were on social media pretty publicly saying that you were planning to free birth. I didn't say free birth. I just said we were having a home birth because I knew that the term free birth was like, what the hell is that? Nobody knows what that is at the time. I mean, it's more, it's more um, understood now, but at the time I just said home birth. Um, And your family was against, was, was against that. Did you say they were against well, with the like with our like immediate family and people who are like really close to me, like in the pregnancy, they knew that we were just planning to do it just us at home. Okay. They knew that I didn't want to have a medical midwife, that I didn't want to have, you know, I didn't want to go into all of that for countless amounts of reasons. Mm-hmm. And at the time I like I didn't have the words to speak about it. Um, I didn't have the confidence to speak about it because I hadn't gone through it yet. Um, And so something that Michelle had mentioned to me was stop talking about it. Mm. Just don't tell people until you've gone through the experience. And then you can have that confidence behind what you're saying. Right. Um, And so. So you had started telling your close family that it was going to be a free birth and then. Um, and then did you stop after like you stopped talking about it did they they stopped asking questions how did that look no they uh (laughs) there was a lot of pressure to oh you know our family doctor she she said she would take you on anytime if you needed Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of that and there was a lot of like oh what you know just one ultrasound and you know all of this and um and I just said I just had to keep saying this is what we're doing and it's not changing um and like very respectfully but very firm and not like I I was doing my best not to like express anger or anything towards it but again there was that aspect of the work of like okay this really pisses me off that people (laughs) you know that people are not understanding and like not backing off um and so there was one uh situation where I um, a close friend of mine, I actually just cut the relationship because it, um, there was a lot of things that were involved in, um, in that aspect of ending the friendship, but there was, there was so much fear projection, um, on me and my family and, Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't my it wasn't my fear. It was from from this friend who, um, yeah, it's still painful for me because this friend also had a baby right after me, um, and I tried reconnecting, but it was anyway. Uh, it's a whole yeah. other story. Um, but I just basically had to say, like, you know, the actions that you are. Uh, presenting and the way you're acting and the things you're saying do not align with how much you say that you care for me Um, and if you really did care for me the way that you say you do then 
we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And I kind of just had to say, like, enough is enough. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, this is what we're doing. And if you love me, I would love for you to be a part of it. But if you don't agree with it, then I need to, I need to cut this off. And um, I had to do, like, an energetic um, cord cutting. And, and I think that's, I look back on it now and I think that's why everything continued to stay cut and mm. cut off. So, um, so yeah, but there was, there was a lot of that. Um, not too many people directly said anything to me, but there was a lot of like, Oh, you know, she's crazy, you know, like <laughs> secondhand, you know, um, small town talk kind of stuff. Um, and, and yeah, and my different from, your first birth where you kind of just said, okay, this is what you want. And I have this intuition of what I want to do, but I'm not going to listen to that. And maybe everyone knows best. It's like a complete opposite of your first experience. And I also think too that, um, and this is also like a really, really huge aspect of free birth and birth in general is, is your partner on board? Yeah. Is your does your partner trust you? Does your partner know that what you are deciding and what you are doing is the best decision for yourself and his baby? Um, and so, have knowing that your partner believes in you and trusts you and just like supports you in every every freaking aspect of who you are because when you're pregnant everything (laughs) everything comes up um every part of who you are comes up so they have to support you through that they have to support you you know and their own like Adam had all of his own stuff that he was going through and um we had to navigate that into our relationship too so there's like that whole other aspect of things too where he yeah, he he was a, a rock, even though, you know, it was first time going through this and first time free birth. Like, yeah, I, that's I don't true. know. It's his first baby. And <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah so that was that was a lot of trust there. And he just yeah, he was it just me. that he he just trusted you. He just your territory. I'm here for you. Yeah, and that was it. There were no other questions. I mean, he had a lot of questions. Yeah, like, more as to like how to prepare. Lot. But otherwise, yeah. it was like, this is what you're doing. What do I need to do? Yeah, to pretty you? much. Yeah, yeah. There, was no, there was no pushback or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was a lot of like, like me having emotional outbursts and him having them too and like back and forth. But I mean, that's expected with everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, the support... Um, from your partner is that's the number one thing um because they're doing it with you so I mean if you choose to like we I wanted my entire family there with me dogs included like everyone needed to be present Mm. um and I I remember going through phases of being like oh well do I want my mother-in-law there do I want to fly my mom out here do I want you know my sister-in-law there like I remember like going back and forth and then ultimately I just said Adam lock the doors and it's just us um and he was he was like yeah okay 
fine, whatever you want. <laughs> and I so, find that that becomes more clear as we get closer to birth. Mm-hmm, um, did mm-hmm. you find that too? Like there's kind of all these questions, you know, who do we want there? And you kind of visualize different situations. And then as you get closer, that's when you know. So you don't have to know before birth. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of becomes clear right before birth. And I because I was even saying you know you can call me I can show up no problem and you were just like no (laughs) like (laughs) you're not you're not coming and I don't want anyone else there you were you were like everyone wants to be at the birth and no one can be at the birth you you got like so strong about it it was it was awesome I loved it yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and I I remember like feeling bad too because I was like I know that Mm. like I know Emily knows what she's doing and I would love to have her there but I think I'd rather have her there after the baby's born and you know I I felt like I didn't I didn't need anybody else but Adam and Dahlia and I think having anybody else show up into that um into that energetic space would have thrown things off entirely um and yeah and I I'm 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 really glad I stuck to the way that I wanted it and just listened to that because it was intense <laughs> like the the energy like it happened so quickly um and yeah having anyone come into that would have just changed it all um even like I remember calling my mom I remember like asking mm-hmm. Adam to call my mom and then it kept glitching out the internet was all buggered and and it kept glitching out and I couldn't hear my mom and then she tried calling back and then the ring and like just the screen being on I was like turn it up off. I was like, get rid of it. No more. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, yeah, not having anybody else there, I, it was, it was what it was and it just needed to be that way. Um, but yeah, definitely leading up to birth, you definitely understand and, and you just have that knowing of the way that it is going to be. And I remember, I remember I had to write, like, I didn't have to, but I wrote like a, a birth vision and how I envisioned the birth going and it kind of went along those lines but it was all like if I if I think back to it the vision I had was different bits and pieces of around the time of birth so the vision I had was real um and but I think what it was is there was some pieces before birth, some pieces after birth, some pieces, you know, mm-hmm. in, in my mind. And so there was all different kinds of things in that birth vision, which um, I think writing a birth vision is really important. Um, and you can rewrite it or you can decide, you know, I'm going to write this at the beginning of my pregnancy and see how it goes or write it halfway through or closer to. But I think, yeah, really, really having that practice was really, really beautiful, too. I mean, it, I did a lot of that um, for the inner work, too. But, um, yeah. So, so let's talk about, the- yeah, the end of your pregnancy. Oh, gosh. Uh, okay. Well, um, let me see. The end of pregnancy. So leading up to birth, I was massive. I don't know, like, 
he he was so big (laughs) and like even like at 28 weeks when I took I took some photos in the forest just me I took my phone and my tripod and I went and I did my own maternity photos and those pictures um, are beautiful by the way if anyone wants (laughs) to check them out on her Instagram they're so beautiful (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so I remember like looking at those photos now I looked like uh the same size as I was when Dahlia was born yeah like right before she was like so 28 weeks I was like so I wasn't even close (laughs) at that point and I was feeling so pregnant um but I just kept going and kept going and I you're also you're quite petite so yeah. when you tell how big Keon was at birth, like you're like a petite person <laughs> to be yeah. carrying this massive baby. It's true. It's incredible yeah. what your body did. Yeah. Like I like to give reference, I'm five one. <laughs> so yeah, it, yeah, I was massive. So um, yeah, so I tried to stay as fit and strong as I could, but oh my word, all of my energy was going into growing this baby. Like I, there was not a lot of extra. Um, and I was eating the most nutritious foods, like Mm -hmm. all food that we grew, all food that our friend Wendy grew, um, all the meats from good family farms and our friends who have, have a beef farm as well. So, and like, like honestly all the food I was eating was like what you eat (laughs) and I was eating a lot of it um and so I just kept gaining and baby kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger um and I think it was like I think it was like August around there um when I I just I started feeling like real no actually it was like more in June I started feeling those quote unquote Braxton Hicks contractions mm-hmm. um, like so warm up surges or practice surges or yeah opening so, surges I try to avoid the word the Braxton Hicks because he was yeah. a male doctor I know you know that but I'm saying that yeah. to the people who are listening <laughs> yeah um, yeah so those those. Um, I'm not going to call them phantom urges. They're not phantom at all. But um, yeah, those they were they were pretty intense a lot of the time. And I remember like we'd go on forest walks, and I would just have to be like, mm-hmm. okay, hold on a second, I gotta sit down. And then just like thinking, like, no way, the baby's not coming now. Like this is crazy. And he was born um, in October, so to have them in <laughs> June. <laughs> pretty what yeah and then they just kept coming yeah. like mm-hmm. they didn't stop they were like off and on for like the whole time and then I remember like coming up to like my what I thought was you know the the um what was the the term we used the not due the date but the guest date, date. yeah <laughs> um you're 40 yeah. weeks you're the 40 week yeah yeah from whenever you thought conception was um yeah it's yeah it's 40 it's 40 weeks technically from the last from the first day of your cycle from mm, mm -hmm. anyway it's like 38 weeks from conception but yes your your 40 week date the what people would call the due date that's not a due date at all it's just more like a 40 weeks time check I like to call it a time check (laughs) yeah yeah um but in the in the system it's a lot different anyway we won't go there 
Um, <laughs> um, so that date was September 28th. Yeah. Um, and I remember like two weeks before that, I was like, oh, Dahlia, Dahlia was two weeks early. Like, <sighs> baby's coming. I got all these, I got all these sensations. I got all these things going on. Baby's coming. Did you want to talk about before that, um, the bleeding that you had and how oh, you went yeah. through that? I forgot about that. Um, yeah. So in July, um, uh, after, um, after we had, we had intercourse and it, it was, um, I had bleeding after and it was not like, it wasn't a lot, but it wasn't little either. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a little concerning. Um, and, I had mentioned to Michelle that this was going on and she um, suggested, um, you know, different things that she thought it could be. Um, And one of the things that she thought and the main thing she thought was um, my placenta was low um, and that can cause a lot of issues in birth, especially free birth. Um, Like it can like it can rupture and it can, it can just get really bad. So it was kind of scary um, hearing yeah, that. I, yeah, placenta previa is when the placenta is covering the cervix at birth. Yeah. And so a low-lying placenta can turn into a placenta that's covering the cervix at birth. But often what happens is as the uterus grows, the placenta will move up. Um, yeah. And one of the main signs, like you, you, you almost never get placenta previa without signs of bleeding leading up to the birth. So you had bleeding at about what, like 30 weeks? Yeah, um, around there. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, could, it was showing, yeah, so signs of um, a low lying placenta, which then would be something to just keep an eye on um, as the birth approaches. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to add that. Yeah. Thank you for (laughs) clarifying that. That's very important information. (laughs) Um, So she suggested going to see, and I think you suggested going to see Billy Harrigan. Yeah. I had Um, found her contact, which was huge that you could check in with her without going into the system to get checked. Yeah. So um, we, I messaged her and um, she's, about I think it was like two or three hours away from here um and so we planned for when I was 36 or 37 weeks she was going to um use a fetoscope um so for those who don't know a fetoscope um is there's no um there's no waves or anything, no, like none of that a fetoscope is literally like a stethoscope but you put it on your belly yeah. Um, and so um, I went to see her. We we drove down all of us together, and she was so sweet. Her house was so beautiful. Um, yeah, she's just a magnificent human being. Um, yeah, I just she... want to add in here: Billy Harrigan is a traditional birth attendant who um, supports women in birth and pregnancy and postpartum in the South Ontario area. And she, she's awesome. She helps women with breech births and all kinds of different births. She's not registered, not a medical person, not a midwife in any way. Um, she calls herself a traditional birth attendant. She also trains traditional birth attendants. Now she's, yes, now she's <laughs> training, doing, offering an online training, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, so we went to see her um, in her home. And when we got there, she was so sweet with Dahlia. She like pulled out this giant bin of Barbies and I like my jaw hit the floor because I was like I have never I haven't seen Barbies like this in like since (laughs) I was a child like this is crazy um and I was like she they she held on to those from when her kids were little and like I was just so that made me so happy and I was like almost crying and Dali was so happy to just play with the Barbies for like over an hour like it was amazing you know it's a Um, safe space for pregnant women when they consider older children you know the whole family that the woman comes with yeah 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 she yeah and and so the room that we were in was like open on it's kind of like a little corner office room but there was like a really cozy couch and um her husband was out you could see in the back um, in their backyard, they had a beautiful garden, and he was just out there tending the garden. And the sun was shining; it was so beautiful. It was such a beautiful, beautiful time. Um, and yeah, so we chatted with her for quite a while. And um, for anyone who knows my husband Adam, he's got the gift of the gab, and um, him and him and Billy got got gabbing quite a bit about uh, things that were happening in the world and. Um, things that were happening in the birth world and um, and and Billy and I she made us feel all very at home and it was so wonderful so yeah so we talked a lot about um, plans for birth and um, and what was going on um, the reason we were there and so she brought out her fetoscope and she was so gentle and loving and caring. Um, yeah, it was just like nothing like being in the medical system, like mm. like night and day difference. Um, yeah, so she felt around and she she found that my placenta was up near my heart. Um, and so there was that was like a big oh. Like, okay, good. We're, we're clear. Like, this is awesome. Um, and so the bleeding must have just been like a really sensitive um, membrane near the cervix or um, on the cervix um, that had ruptured or something along those lines. Um, and so that was, I mean, not a good thing, but better than having a low-lying placenta. Um, and it, did, did you have the bleeding again? no it didn't happen again right so there you would have looked into it more if you had had it again and back there was there was also no uh no more intercourse so (laughs) there that didn't it scared the crap out of adam (laughs) so we uh yeah it it scared us both um and yeah so that was that was a relief um yeah and so that was like okay that that to me was kind of like the last um the last fear that I had worked through I think um as we were leaving and we we were driving home and um I was just kind of we were listening to music and I remember just having my thoughts and and sitting with myself and thinking like okay, now I can really drop in and prepare. I'm not working anymore. I'm, I'm 
able to just be um, and not have any more worries. And so I kind of at that point was like everything just kind of dropped and I could relax. Um, And yeah, and then to I had so much expectations for this baby coming early. Uh, Like it was so annoying. (laughs) Yeah, you came. So you, I remember you coming on Labor Day um, t- for dinner at our house, and you thought you lost oh, your yeah. mucus plug. And then yeah. Adam, you came back from the washroom and so pregnant, and you're like, Adam, it's go time. We have to go home and have a baby. And that was September 1st. Oh my God. And yeah. you had your baby October 10th. I know. <laughs> so bad and so the expectations like if you if you have any ideas or expectations outside of your birth vision or whatever like you just need to drop all of that and surrender because (laughs) like there is no the things that you think you want are just not gonna happen (laughs) like I don't know that was I the wishful thinking around him coming early was so so like wrong on so many levels um yeah so that came and went and then the guest date came and went and it's now Thanksgiving weekend and I was miserable <laughs> I was so like I was so upset and it was like we were, we had Thanksgiving dinner and I was so mad because I couldn't eat a lot because I was so pregnant. <laughs> and like, I, was like, I went home that night after having dinner with the family and I laid in bed and I cried for like an hour and I just sobbed and I was like, baby, please give me a sign that you're coming soon. Just like break my water or something. I just like... I had this like I went into this like deep meditative state and I like went into the ethers that I was like feeling like this for like half of my pregnancy I was feeling so in the ethers and um and I remember being in that space crying and like connecting with Keon and just really just being like please something just give me some sign some physical sign I know you're coming I just tell me how uh or tell me something and um I got Dahlia ready for bed and um did all our things that we do before bed and then I laid down in bed and um we're sleeping and then around 2 30 in the morning this was different than when my water broke with Dahlia so I think this is I think um I think there's something, maybe I'm wrong. You can, you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I think for um, each woman, there's like something that's similar for the birth for each birth in her body that happens each time. I don't, I think I remember hearing that where there's like, for me, my water broke. Um, first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was like the first initial thing, but yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, my water, it just exploded. There was no trickle. It just was like, phew, I've heard that can be different with like every birth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe when you have nine babies, you'll be able to look back and say, oh yeah, this is my pattern. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, um, 
yeah so but 2 30 water... in the morning did you sit up and then it break or did, were you sleeping and it, it exploded no I was sleeping it woke me up wow it was all over the bed and then I stood up and more okay it just kept it <sighs> like so much kept coming out oh, and man. then after all of that was out then I was like okay it's happening like the contractions <laughs> did not wait it just started like right mm. then um yeah and I I remember like how how do I explain the feeling of my all the water being out it was like it was very cushy and cozy and floaty in there and then all the water was out and then it was like um not scratchy but very like I could feel his head like on its way out so um yeah you know there was... what I've had um Leia they broke her water with my first at, at the midwifery center and mm. that birth was so painful because it was like her head was like pushing on my hip bones yeah and, and so it was very it's interesting you say that it, it felt like everything was a lot pointier and more jagged than like yeah. with the cushion of the water which I had for my next two babies yeah um, yeah it makes it a very sharp difference. yeah very sharp feeling yeah because yeah. there's literally a human body inside your body pushing against your body <laughs> yeah yeah you notice that difference oh yeah yeah, yeah. So that, that was one thing that I, um, I had a hard time surrendering to that feeling. I mm. remember, um, and how like intense that was. Cause with Dahlia, I had the epidural, so I didn't really feel mm-hmm. anything, nothing to compare it to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So then I got Adam to, well, at first I was like, okay, th- like I'm going to sit and sit with these contractions just to see where we are at. Um, and so I sat with them for a little while and then I was like, okay, they're not that close. It's not that intense yet. Um, let's just go lay on the couch. Um, and like we can get some more rest down there because the bed was soaked. Like there was no, I, I didn't think to have anything on the bed. I don't know. I was not thinking, uh, I was not here first of all. <laughs> um, yeah. So then we moved down to the couch, um, cause, uh, we had set up the pool in the living room. Um, and yeah, the, the setup of it was just so beautiful. There was only a couple of photos from the birth. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam didn't want any, any screens or cameras or anything up. So, um, and I didn't really either. So we just had, he took one picture um, I have it. Um, but yeah, so we were in laying on the couch and then all I just I was just laying there. I was not sleeping. I was just laying there feeling the contractions and then they started getting stronger and then I just said, Okay, it's time to fill up the pool. So Adam filled up the pool and then um we we went and got Dahlia and then she came down but she was really sleepy and so we just let her like rest and um, and then I just got in the pool when it was ready. And then I remember like just back and forth to the bathroom because I didn't want to get the water full of what was being evacuated from my body. Um, just going back and forth, back and forth. And, um, 
it was so funny there was there was feces in the pool it's like inevitable you just Mm -hmm. can't avoid it yeah um and so we had like a kitchen strainer like a little like a sift thing oh my gosh it was so funny and adam he was such a champ he just kept he's like oh but it was so like not hard poop, so right. it just like would break up in the uh, water. He's like, "Oh, this is pointless." And then that kind of stressed me out a little bit, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I don't want the baby to be born in poo." So I decided to come upstairs into the bathroom where the tub is, and I don't know how I got upstairs during those contractions, but I made it. Um, and then we filled up the tub, but the tub is very narrow and it's mm-hmm. very hard and it's very low. And so there's no get into the pool, like not happening. Um, and then I got out of the tub and I like, I labored over the tub for like a few contractions. I was like, I can't do this here. Like this is not happening here. And then I was like, we have to go back downstairs. And there was so much like. I was so stressed um, in the bathroom and like my body was so tense that I started pushing and it was so not time for that. Um, But I was like, my emotions were like, put like making everything contract because I was so upset that I was uncomfortable. Mm. Um, And then I got into the pool and I just surrendered. I just like, was like, oh, with the poop still in breath. Or did he, yeah, I yeah. didn't even care at this point. I was yeah. like, I'm so done. And I just <laughs> flopped over the side of the pool. Dahlia was holding my hand. And like the sounds that were coming out of me, I don't even know, but it scared Dahlia. Like she was she was pretty scared from the sounds because she was so worried that I was like, it's hard to see your mom in pain like that. But it, mm-hmm. it wasn't she perceived it as pain, but I I'm not gonna say pain. Um birth is an experience but it's not um to me anyway like there was like an many, intensity many, yeah there's many layers to that but and i i guess it depends what your definition of pain is oh keon's awake <laughs> hello my love hello There we go. Hey, buddy. Hi. Um, yeah, so, yeah, got back into the pool and was laboring in the pool, and I remember feeling, um, there was this point of defeat where you just feel like you can't go on and you know that you have to but it's like literally that point of like I could literally just die right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and I'm just like I'll I'll be fine um but you can't like you can't you still have work to do and that at that that point is such a crucial turning point and I remember calling um I remember calling Adam and or yeah calling Adam to me and um just saying I need you to call Michelle 
and Mm -hmm. she came on the phone and she she came on the phone and the only thing she said I I said to her I was like I can I can't do this anymore I can't do it he's he's coming oh baby's going up and down up and down and then she just said very calmly she said he's baby's almost here you can do this and that's mm-hmm. all i needed she went silent and everyone went quiet and then i just dropped in and fully surrendered and and connected right to keon i could feel him he was ready um and then it was i think with three or four contractions um his head came out. Adam was in the kitchen and Dahlia was there. Um, and she said, Adam, the head and his head came out. And then he, and then Adam came running and then he, I, I pushed again and he, he just, his whole body just came out. So once the head came out, the body came out like so quick. And That's then incredible. was she still on the phone or she hung or she had hung, yeah. had hung up with her? No, she was still there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And um, so, and then Adam caught him and then he's, he was like, it's a boy. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew, I didn't even have to look at him. I just knew. Um, and, and then he, I turned over cause I was on like on all fours and I turned over and sat down in the pool and he handed him. I sat down in the pool and Adam handed him to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, we just stared at each other for a few seconds and for quite a long moment. And, and then Adam was like, he's not breathing. What do we do now? Um, and then I was like, oh yeah, he has to breathe, but he doesn't really because he's still connected to the placenta and he's connected to me. So it's okay that he's not breathing right now, but we should try and get him to breathe. And um, But his eyes were open and he was looking at you and his tone, yeah, yeah his tone was good. Yeah, he was kind of like a purpley pinky, like really, really filled with blood kind of color. Mm-hmm. Um and and then Michelle just said to um, suck out of his nose, and that worked. I just sucked a little bit, and then he took a breath. And I don't remember if he cried. Um, maybe maybe a little bit just to get his his lungs going. And then I just let yeah he did. And then I let him cry a little bit um, just to get all the breath and everything out. Um, and uh and then yeah we sat in the pool and we nursed and yeah do you want more there we go um yeah and and then he was here and Dahlia was crying Adam was crying everyone was so happy and then um I think we made it upstairs I think I just wanted to get comfortable and lay down in the bed with him. <laughs> and um, and then I I was kind of like, well, I think I, I have to birth the placenta. I feel like it's going to come soon. Um, so you managed then... to get upstairs 
holding the baby and with your placenta still in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how, because the cord wasn't that long. Yes, baby. Yeah. Oh, do you see it on there? Um, the cord wasn't very long, so, um, yeah, it was a little challenging, but not too bad. You just don't um, overthink those things in the moment, right? You're just like, I yeah. want to be upstairs, and then it happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so then we were upstairs, and um, Leslie showed up. <laughs> yeah, your sister-in-law. Yeah, no, I think she... I think she showed up when we were downstairs. I can't remember. It was all a blur. Um, yeah. And then went upstairs and we put a, a towel underneath the toilet seat and then put the toilet seat on top of the towel. And I just sat there for, um, for a few minutes and there was so much commotion going on with Leslie there. And then Leslie took Dahlia to go get snacks mm. and, and some food and, and stuff. And so they left and then, and then I could birth the placenta. It was just, it was too, too stressful to, to do it with everyone there. And so I was just there holding key on and then I birthed the placenta. So was that then, like a half hour, an hour after he was born? I think it was an hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It took a, a, a bit of time for it to come. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's yeah. no problem with that. Just that in hospitals, they would definitely not let it get <laughs> be that long. So I just love stories of placentas taking their time and everything being okay. There was nothing about that whole situation that... Um, made me fear for anything there was nothing that felt um traumatic there was nothing that was like um it felt wrong Mm. everything about it felt the way that it was supposed to feel and I didn't feel scared that anything was wrong I didn't even count his fingers and toes he was just perfect the way he was and everything was just so perfect um did you have um, any like fears that were left before birth that you found like didn't even come up once you were in the birth process? No, I think I think the thing that I I look back on it now was I couldn't surrender. I was having a really hard time surrendering to the whole process. Um, to the whole process and I think if I had surrendered earlier on in the birth process it would have been a little less stressful mm-hmm. um like going upstairs and into the tub and all the things right yeah. um i think i think it would have been a little easier if i had just said okay just drop in and surrender but there was something i don't know what it is even now i don't know that i was holding on to i'm i'm not quite sure um that made it feel yeah, like I couldn't surrender, like I couldn't let go. Maybe maybe it was just the belief in myself. Um, I was going to say, it's like fully claiming that you're doing this and you're going to do this. Like yeah. Fully, fully stepping into that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel at any point that I needed to be saved in any way. Yeah. That I needed someone else to step in and take over. I never felt that way. Um, but yeah. 
but even then we still have to do it you know like we still have to like consciously let go and and do that I don't know if, if that makes sense yeah yeah it's such like a an interesting an interesting place to think about um think about that because I I've I've spent some time going over it, but when I think of every time I think about it or talk about it, it's something else comes up that's a little makes me think about it a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It I I would I would never ever think to do it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, for the sake of not go- going too much, you know, not not taking too much time. Um, is there anything like specific from your postpartum time um, that that you want to share? Because it's something I think about allopathic medicine in the system with midwives. Even you get like six weeks of care for you for the mother and the baby, well, quote unquote care. But it's something that I find in the birth outside the system world is not really talked about. Where we're also we're taking responsibility for our births and our babies, but we're also taking responsibility for that early postpartum, which is like sometimes a really tricky time. It's like very sensitive, you know, mom has to heal, babe has to heal. Um, is there anything that comes out that sticks out for you from that, that time? Um, I think the thing that this is also another thing that I have a hard time surrendering to is resting. Mm. Um, I feel like it's my job to take care of everything. Um, and I have a hard time surrendering to letting other people take over and just letting them, letting them um, take care of me. Um, even though I, I really needed to be taken care of in that, that time. Um, and I did surrender quite a bit when there was times where I just was like, okay, I'm down, I'm done. I'm not doing anything. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm laying with the baby. We're going to nurse and we're going to sleep and that's it. And I think, uh, the whole time Adam was home, I let him just do everything. Um, we, we share everything like outside of postpartum time we share everything quite equally so it was hard for me to let him do everything because I felt like I was not contributing or helping or whatever but um yeah I just really I think I just really need to prioritize rest um in my postpartum time with Dahlia um all I did was rest Mm. Um, so that was that was something that was really different um I remember like wanting to do things and like having the times I would have enough energy, I would get up and, you know, go and do a bunch of stuff with Dahlia. But then I would like rest for like a whole week or two after and like not Mm. do anything. So, but this time I just did too much. Um, And that has contributed to a longer healing time. Um, My, my body has had a really hard time coming back. Um, uh, and yeah, so just rest, I think that's the biggest thing and 
surrendering to the fact that you need to be taken care of, but also making sure prior to even conceiving that you have a support network who can take care of you so that you can rest. Um, That's what I find is it like I also had the feeling of I want to help Vitaly, especially when there's other older children. Um, they're taking care of you. They're taking care of the other children. They're taking care of the house, like a hundred percent. And it's an it's actually an insane amount of work for one person. <laughs> um, and I find that that's something that reflecting for me is is to have people to help Vitaly or to help my partner. Um, because yeah, it's, it's too much. And that's why we feel that we need to help because it is too much for them, you know, but we need to not, and they need more help. <laughs> that's the lesson. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's where, that's where the crones and, and, you know, grandparents yeah. and the, and just having like a village or a tribe to help, like you, you can't do everything. It really no. does take a village. Um, and that's, that's the hardest truth of it all I think and you don't really understand it until you're in it but um yeah I think that's that's my best uh best postpartum uh takeaways um and also I don't it's it's really hard too with the older kids because you feel like you you are not giving them enough and giving them what they need but I think also surrendering to the fact that they are getting exactly what they need and what they came here for um and that we just need to be gentle with ourselves in all aspects of mothering especially in the postpartum time because Mm -hmm even though it may seem that we're not giving the others enough attention or love, they are getting exactly what they need. Um, And we are doing exactly what we can and just, just surrendering and being okay with that and just soaking in all the little moments of them um, loving each other, love like the older ones, loving the little ones and, and just witnessing all as they they go by so quickly so exactly yeah. that, that first sensitive year and even really like the first two years postpartum are pretty intense and and it, it, it will fly by and it doesn't last forever so we need to be gentle with ourselves through that time and gentle with the reality and accepting of the reality and just doing our best for everyone and then it changes everything will change when baby's two three four you know we can do more and more yeah and we'll have more sleep hopefully yeah (laughs) (laughs) more sleep to deal with the more energy that comes right And how yeah. do you, how did your birth change you? How did choosing a birth outside the system of an unassisted birth, a free birth, how did that, how did that change you? Um, me solidify not just my voice, but my, my own values and my own beliefs. It really helped solidify that 
everything that I've learned in this life and everything that I know is right. And, Mm. um, and that I need to continue to have full autonomy over my body, over my family. And, um, because no one else is going to do that. No, um, you can't, I, for me, I know that I cannot ever look outside of myself for answers. I can look for advice. I can look for, um, as a human, I can, I can look to my fellow humans and my sisters and, and the people that I love, my, all of my family. I can look to people for advice um, and for uh, connection in mutual experiences, but um, no one's ever going to have any answers to the questions that ask at me, um, especially when it comes to my body. Um, yeah, I mean, I learn a lot. You you learn things from other people's experiences and and um, learn things from people, you know, having their own solid boundaries too. But I think. I think the best thing is not giving giving myself over to anybody. Mm. And that's been a really, really tough thing um, to hold on to and grow my life. It's been it's been really hard because, you know, the people you learn from and the people you grow from, like you look up to them so much and, and you admire them and and you take bits and pieces of them, even if even if you don't choose to. You you take you take experiences from everything in your life, and um, it's it's your it's your own choice what you want to what you want to have as part of who you are. So yeah, <laughs> that's also beautiful. I just I'm so grateful that we've met and. <laughs> we're good friends and I learned so much from your pregnancy and birth experience. And I hope that anyone listening here today will um, learn and, you know, it will help them in their journeys. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have learned so much from you too. I think (laughs) like we, even though we have two small babies, I think we support each other in the best ways and, and it's evolving all the time and it's really beautiful and I'm so grateful for you. And there you have it. Thank you so much for being here and please don't hesitate to reach out with any comments or questions. I look forward to these episodes really becoming more of a discussion and the more feedback I get from listeners, the more I'm excited to put forward more episodes and episodes and information that interest you. Uh, One thing that we kind of left out of the episode, which we realized later, was Kion's birth weight. Uh, So he was a nine and a half pound baby. And for a five foot one (laughs) teeny tiny Santana, that is quite an achievement. It's really incredible what women can do. Um, I will also, uh, I would love to have Santana back on the podcast to talk about other topics, including uh, 
going out into the forest with children, a presence with children and her, her mothering uh, philosophy because watching her with her children and with her elder daughter has been really enlightening for me. Uh, we can also answer some questions, any questions that you have about this episode, do a Q&A with her and talk about how her elder daughter processed witnessing the birth. Uh, we didn't really go into much detail, but it was an interesting process, I know, for her daughter Dahlia in the months that followed the birth and uh, how she integrated the um, witnessing her brother's birth. And also um, a pod, an episode I'm interested in is talking about a blessing way that I uh, held for Santana, which is a um, sort of like a more intentional baby shower. And that was quite a beautiful experience, I think, for her and for all the women present. And so if any of these topics interest you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know which ones you would want to hear. And with that, I wish you the most beautiful day going forward. Have fun discovering your highest potential and sharing it with others.